While a lot of people say that diversity, to your point, is important and to bring to the table, I think that we need to recognize that it takes much more work for a manager and a leader to make use of that diversity. But it's worth it. It's rich. Thank you for tuning in to The Leadership Sessions, a podcast series of conversations with guests from around the world, hosted by TPC Leadership. In this series, we discuss how leadership is transforming, and we talk with inspirational guests who are willing to share their personal stories and learnings with us. What are their strategies and tactics to thrive in these uncertain times and beyond? Today, Tom welcomes Mercedes Alonso, Executive and Vice President Renewable Polymers and Chemicals at Neste. Neste is the world's leading producer of sustainable aviation fuel and renewable diesel, and works on solutions for the chemicals and polymers industry to address global issues, such as plastic waste pollution and climate change. Together, Tom and Mercedes talk about giving leadership, about diversity and about why Mercedes prefers a collaborative leadership style over a competitive one. Hi, Mercedes. Hello, Tom. Welcome. Great to have you today. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Quite uh, excited of being here. Mercedes, maybe just uh, to start, could you could you maybe share a little bit more about yourself as an introduction? Sure, of course. Yes. Um, as you maybe can hear from my name, I'm a Spanish uh, national. I uh, studied chemistry in Spain, but I have been working and living abroad all, all of my career. I've been, uh, I'm currently in Germany. I've been working in Switzerland, in the Netherlands, in India. So very, very international career and, and uh, life. I am married and have two adult kids. And um, I'm currently, as I said, um, executive vice president at Neste and working on changing the face of chemistry towards a sustainable future. Fantastic. Welcome again. Uh, we need to speak about leadership. If you, if you look at the world out there, you know, the world is calling for, for a strong leadership. The angle I would like to take with you, Mercedes, today is not just to speak too much conceptually about leadership. I really would like to hear from you um, what it means concretely for you, how you do it on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, what are the little things, right, that, that, that do make, make a difference? Please allow me to, to share an anecdote. I was yesterday, the day before yesterday, with, with a client uh, where we facilitated the leadership program and the CEO kicked off the program saying to the participants, guys, I need you because we need in our organization a revolution of care. And, and those words really inspired me. And this revolution of care, it's about individuals making simple decisions that could have a big impact on other people. But can I ask you, what is your individual take on leadership? Yeah, that's quite a, a very good question, uh, Tom. Um, I was just thinking when I started my career, of course, then you work in different levels and you do not have typically any people leadership responsibilities until you mature in your career. And uh, quite uh, at the point where I was uh, having the ambition to, to become a business leader or having a position of leadership, I was always interested in looking at the aspect of people leadership. So at least when I started my career, it was always about the business and how can you drive the strategy and how you implement them. And uh, I always felt that having the right people in the right time and the right people means also the people that are passionate about what they do, that they're doing what they love or in the market they love or the kind of product families they love, that brings with itself already the 
the success in a business. So what is leadership for me? I will say that, of course, it has a, a lot of the components of uh, business success and sustainability or, you know, profitability, resilience. Absolutely. But for me, leadership is truly about people, about the teams that you have, about the organizational designs, about the growth as a company. And, um, and that means definitely with the employees and the colleagues rather than just the business. So I've always tried to have a very much balanced focus between being a business leader and being a people leader since I started this, this kind of roles. Okay. Thank you, Mercedes. Um, now, if you allow me to make that even more personal, you said you would describe yourself as partly a business leader, but also partly a people leader. Focusing on the second piece, what are the little things? What are your leadership habits that you try to put in place? Could you give me one or two examples of those? Um, certainly, yeah. So um, I try to spend as much time as I can on on whatever you call it, mentoring, coaching, or just connecting with a lot of people in the organization, not only directly with people in my business, but I like to be um, reaching out to, to our younger colleagues, the people that are maybe starting their career with Neste, or uh, young women that are also at this point where we are looking about equality, looking about opportunities, and we still have to face realities that not always in the same places are, are it's as easy to progress and uh, see me as someone that um, has managed to have, you know, both a family and a career or uh, we just talk about things. So I spend a lot of time on those kind of conversations on sharing uh, experiences, say, sharing uh, points of view where I'm hoping to encourage them to pursue what they really love and to, to really pay attention to what makes them tick. Because I am again convinced that uh, when they find that in a business context, of course, then um, they succeed in their career and the business succeeds also on having these kind of people. So a lot of that is on these very small moments. Um, a lot of people say, oh, you know, you might not have time for me. I always find the time to have half an hour, a coffee, looking forward now to have those coffees rather than virtual calls and um, trying to make sure that I spend time with a wide variety of people, not only in my business, but really around the company. What I really like about uh, your answer there at the end is that you say, I make time, I, I find time. I, I hear so many people say, I don't have time. Mm -hmm. Well, you seem to be challenging that view and I, I really appreciate that. Keeping it personal, Mercedes, is there anybody in particular uh, who has been an inspiration to you? To, to sort of get the best leadership out of you and why? Um, I was just thinking about it and truly I think there's been uh, through my career a variety of people that I felt extremely happy to have met. And even before that, having a father as I have where we are two daughters and he never saw You know, back in Spain, you could have maybe expected some more traditional uprising of kids. I was always a, 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 his child and not just a daughter that is supposed to, I don't know, marry and have families. And he was always extremely supportive and pushing of my international career. But I think that the people that give us opportunities that um, particularly, as I say, in some industries, very traditional, where women have uh, less of a presence in leadership roles. And sometimes you are ready, you have the potential, but you are overseen because we are not used to see the talent. We are used to see what we know. Um, there's been, I've been lucky enough to have a couple of people that uh, saw me, had a discussion and thought, I'm going to give it a try. And probably the last one was our CEO, Peter Fanaka, who just actually left the company, who brought me into the company in this position and just uh, let me be. 
And uh, that's something that it's extremely powerful when we're looking at, at uh, people leadership and careers, giving some guidance, but just simply have the courage of saying, you know your stuff, go and do it. If you need something, I'm here. You speak about um, the, the human side of doing business, of, of, being, of being a leader. Uh, what would you consider to be authentic leadership? You know, authentic is, is exactly the, the core of, of the question. So if you care about people as much as you care about business and you are not genuine, everybody will see that. So I'm not talking about people as assets. I'm really talking about people for who they are and uh, looking at how they they progress in their careers as much as that they deliver to the business. I think that also since I joined also Neste, I see that the purpose of a company is something that it's um, really, really strong in terms of the leadership that you um, use or your style, um, identifying with it, um, being again, genuine about it, like in our cases, to create a healthier planet for our children. And the way that we're looking at materials that are renewable and sustainable and recyclable, it's something that we truly believe on. So if I, as a leader, have that belief on the purpose and I take it seriously and everything we do is guided by that purpose, I do believe that that's also showing the authentic leadership. So not not the do what I say, but don't do what I do, right? And... Um, I've been recently also reading more articles and uh, there's one interesting uh, from the Boston Consulting Group about uh, generative leadership. And um, there's something that I believe since the very beginning of my career that, um, you know, looking at um, giving back to the stakeholders, so employees, communities, is as important as to give it back to the shareholders. And it's also not um, one or the other. You can actually do both. And nested is showing how a business like this can be sustainable, can be definitely making a huge impact on climate change and the planet, and is profitable and resilient in crisis as well. So it's um, something that I'm very much uh, believing that um, keeping the eye on everything that matters and not only on shares and profits, it's um, again an enormous part of being an authentic leader. It's funny you mention uh, BCG because I was reading one of their publications recently from their um, Henderson Institute. And um, building on what you just said, they did a comparative study of companies that, from a communication perspective, um, put more focus on people versus performance and total shareholder return. And what they found was that the companies who had more of a people focus in their communication And this was based on literally hundreds of thousands of documents that, that they had analyzed and processed. Uh, it turned out that the companies who put more focus on people in their communication actually also ended up having higher financial returns. Better results, yeah. Yes. I'm also a member of the World Business Council for Sustainable Development, and they had a similar study, not based on, on the communication, but on the performance and the shares of the companies that are members, that are looking at, you know, what I say, sustainability with a capital S. And they consistently perform better than peers, and also the, both in the sense of uh, profitability and, and resilience, especially now with the COVID crisis that we're just still in the middle of getting out of. I, I personally find it very um, inspiring and, and energizing to realize that actually by putting people first, you will not only create happier employees, you will probably be able to retain them longer, better, make them feel better, their well-being mm -hmm. will be better, but also you're actually doing a favor to the shareholders in the process while doing so. And I think that's quite energizing, quite liberating as well. 
Yes. And I, again, I, as I say, I'm a firm believer because the people, when they are so engaged, when they see that they are doing something with meaning and purpose, that their leadership also see them as people and not just as employees, mm. then they give their best because you are happy in what you're doing. You come up in the morning and you wake up and you want to go to work rather than dragging your feet and say, it's just a thing that I have to do to put uh, your food on the table. And that makes the difference. I, I'm 100% convinced. You make me you make me smile because I've got this image now in front of me of Michael Douglas in this film Wall Street. I think it was somewhere oh, in yeah. the 1980s <laughs> where he says, you know, greed is good. Greed is good. <laughs> and, and actually what we're saying now in the past couple of minutes is that, no, greed is not good. You know? Yeah, I, I have very strong feelings against that kind of sentence. Uh, yeah, uh, uh. it's it's there. It's absolutely fine. And I'm not saying that we are not ambitious, that we do not have very high ambitious targets in terms of profit and that we are not extremely versed at uh, negotiating and managing our, our business. Absolutely not. But then how you do it, that's, that's the key. Moving on, I, I have to confess, Mercedes, I am slightly embarrassed to, to share that you are the first female uh, interviewee uh, in this uh, <laughs> in this series. Um, female leaders are still a minority despite all efforts. Um, things are moving, but um, if you look at the statistics, you know, you could say we're not there yet. How about gender diversity and other forms more generally, um, forms of diversity in your team? Can you say a little bit more about that? Sure, Tom. And again, better late than never, right? So I'm glad to be the first leader that you have in this uh, interesting podcast. Um, I think that it's almost like the leading by example that we all see in a variety of areas. Uh, I think we are very fortunate also in, in at Neste and in my business in particular that um, having have someone visionary that saw the me, the person and the, the leader that I am and can be and put me in this position is triggering a lot of attraction to people that value this uh, diversity. So, for example, uh, in the business that I'm leading, renewable polymers and chemicals, we have probably for the first time ever that I've seen in a business, and we are purely on commercial functions, so no, not HR and others, we are 54% um, females in the team. And uh, the large majority of our uh, positions of leadership, so heads off or VP, they are also females. And um, we don't have a quota or put a number or make any specific effort. Uh, we want to hire a balance approach, but what we see is that then we attract a lot more of different talent, people that do believe in diversity, people that see that they don't need to fight for equality because it's obvious. I'm here, some of our leaders. So we have a great amount of talented people joining and then it's easier and natural then to be able to choose the best person for the role and having, as I see, a very, very balanced approach. Um, We have a very good mix from people that were inside the company and outside the company. So also some of the factors that uh, make um, these, um, these businesses thrive is that you are showing innovation, that you are coming with the ideas and looking at what's happening around us and addressing it. So in our case, looking at what the chemical industry needs to do to be fossil free. Um, we are maybe only still about 40 people by the end of this year, but we have a broad mix of nationalities, I think over 15 different places. That um, And, and um, when I was preparing also for this podcast, we were thinking, 
about my own family, where our friends a couple of years ago, they used to call us like Benetton family, because you remember these ads where Benetton had a lot of lovely, very, very diverse people. Um, my husband is from the UK, originally from Bangladesh. My daughter was born in Germany and she's totally blonde and blue eyes, where my son born in Switzerland and I'm Spanish, we are kind of dark hair and dark eyes. And it's funny to see how we are a European family from many different places, different colors and experiences and, and backgrounds. And, um, you know, it works. Wonderful. Well, taking it back from the family to, let's say, the work environment, mm -hmm. what is it like on a day-to-day -day basis to, to manage that? How, how do you do it? And again, uh, let's say, let's, let's make it concrete. What are the little habits that, that you may have installed in, in, in your team that foster such a, an inclusive culture? Because diversity is one thing. You know, that's just making sure you got all the languages, uh, you know, genders and et cetera, ah. et cetera, in the team. But then you have to make it work. We, we often say diversity is being invited to the party. Inclusion is being invited to dance. <laughs> so how do you do it on a day-to-day -day basis? How do you manage inclusion? Uh, totally still in my thunder there because this is exactly what I was just saying that uh, one thing is to have all this uh, being able to attract all that talent uh, I think everybody recognizes meanwhile that uh, having the same kind of people on the table give you the same results and that doesn't work in any business environment and anywhere so bringing diversity on is there but uh, to your point um, having them on the table doesn't change anything if you don't listen and you don't practice active listening and one of the things when I was looking at um, at this team that we have when you have so much diversity, what you have is as well as an enormous richness of different opinions and different experiences, and they do not always converge. It's the nature of it to having a lot of different opinions. So it's... Um, It requires a much more active style on leadership, Tom. It's uh, less about just having the people, but just making it work. So it requires more patience, if you want to, more giving the opportunities for people to express themselves in different ways or at different times. Not everybody is maybe an extrovert and very outspoken. Um, you need to ensure that you give that opportunity to everyone to equally contribute with that diversity experience that they have or this different mindset. So so, um, well, a lot of people say that diversity, to your point, is important and to bring to the table, I think that we need to recognize that it takes much more work for a manager and a leader to make that use of that diversity. And to, to, to your point, to be inclusive, truly inclusive, you need to pay much more attention, having a different patience, understanding that consensus might be reached a bit later because you need to go through all those different views and opinions, but it's worth it. It's rich. It's bringing complete different angles that surprise ourselves even after 30 years in the industry that you see something and say, man, I didn't think about that. And that's, that's I think, what moves us also as a team, how we work with our dynamics. We have a lot of fun working together. We cherish these kind of different ideas and hearing what the others have seen in their careers or what they think. And again, you need to manage actively that everybody gets their voice out there. Okay, Mercedes. So you, we, we spoke about diversity in a team. For me personally, one of, one of the dimensions of, of diversity also is also this cultural diversity. When we think of cultural diversity, we, we, we think of, you know, the superficial things such as language, uh, rituals, uh, things like that. Um, but, but for me, there's mm -hmm. also an interesting link to be made with the relationship to power and collaboration. I remember the work of Geert Hofstede, uh, a Dutch scholar from the Maastricht University who published 
uh, already back in the 80s, started publishing about culture and cultural differences between different nationalities. And mm-hmm. one of the dimensions that came out was uh, the difference in power distance, as he called it. Some people have more respect for hierarchy than others. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that also shows in your team. It's funny you mentioned that, Tom, because uh, one of my colleagues, Jeroen, is also Dutch. So maybe that's uh, the school of knowledge. And he used that with his team because he has people from Singapore, from Argentina, from uh, Belgium, uh, Dutch and, and German. So it's exactly as you said. It was very interesting for him to show how those different cultures have a relationship with, the, you know, as you say, power and how it reflects and the dynamics of the team. So he was using that to, to manage a better understanding of each other as, as people in their teams to understand how sometimes they react in one way or the other that might not feel fully respectful maybe to the others or on the contrary, that you expect a reaction but the hierarchy they are used to have from a cultural point of view is preventing them to maybe speak out and, and things like that. So um, I think that he is exactly as you say, is looking at the person and not only thinking I have an employee with a role and you're a key account manager and these are your tasks but trying to understand what makes them uh, tick, what are the kind of behaviors that you want to encourage that might go beyond the, the person itself, but more exactly about this cultural environment or where where you are as a country or the different relationships you might have also with different customers. So if we are working with companies in Japan, I think everybody understands that's different. But if you're looking even within Europe, we are all Europeans and yet there's a lot of different ways. Um, and here again, when you're looking at the task, it's clear. But when you're looking at the person that you have in front of you and you try to to understand where they're coming from, where they're going to, um, not only in the business, but at person, I think that you definitely advance. And to your point in terms of sustainability and to, to make the connection here, um, having all these different people in our organization, it's, um, it's, I think, what is creating the dramatic change that we are seeing recently. Um, one of the things that we've seen is that we, we are working on what we call a voluntary market, Tom. So it's not legislation coming and saying, now you have these materials are forbidden, you need to change and you need to do something sustainable. Actually, consumers and customers are saying there is a plastic waste problem, we want to address it. There is a problem with climate change and emissions, we want to address it. And we will stop buying these brands that we love and that we follow if they don't become sustainable. And the brands are reacting and whether they are forced or not by legislation, which actually they are not, they're coming to us, they're coming to all their upstream suppliers and say, we need to change. And we have in this team of diverse people, many of them are also in their 30s, 50% of my team is younger than 40. They are the people that are asking the brands what they want. They are the ones that have that understanding on what is the market doing, what we will call in business terms, customer needs. So again, using that diverse team to understand where we're going in the business, I, I truly think that that's what is making the difference also for Neste, that we are just able to speak in their language, understand what they're looking for, and then translate it into the business plans and objectives that we need to achieve those those targets. So it's, um, again, um, fascinating how, as to you were saying, sustainability is much more of a um, profiting from diversity maybe than we ever thought before. And at the same time, Mercedes, what I think I'm hearing if I listen to what you're saying, is Mm -hmm. leadership is one person at a time and is adapting your interventions, your style, your, you know, your leadership to the individual. I hear you say that it's about people. It's not about employees. And, uh, you know, person A is different from person B. And so 
it, 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 it creates this friction or this tension in my mind between sort of company-wide policies, HR, uh, sort yeah. of solutions that fit all, sending all people to the same kind of leadership programs <laughs> versus as a leader, it, treating every individual in your team individually and differently. Um, you know, yes and no. I think, again, when you look at super large organizations, you need some sort of a structure and process. And then you need to start looking at having at least the basics right for the majority of the people. Because it's also, again, an individual decision whether you want to go for a career vertically or horizontally and when you want to go a career. So I think a company's obligation is to give a base. Um, but what you were saying, for example, one of the first leadership trainings that I had the moment that I became a, a people leader, that the very first role they gave us a fantastic training where, to your point, we were looking at um, how to manage based also, for example, on the experience on the employee. So if I'm a very young person, but I'm going to have a senior and a very junior employees, I cannot guide or lead in the same way. And it's not about managing, it's about leading. Someone that is very experienced and that is working well and what they have the skill and the will, you need to manage completely different that if you're having with someone that's very young, that has no skill yet and need to be trained and need to be maybe more directly guided or someone that is in between or the ones that have the skill, but they have no will because they are looking for a change or they are not motivated or they are going through life for moments that, you know, it, it affects also your, your performance or your experience. So as a leader, then again, what we were learning is to see the person, both their circumstances, their experience level and, and see where they are so that you adapt your leadership style also. And you have an overall team responsibility, but then how to get in the best for the team and how to ensuring that people develop themselves in the direction they want to and and it's also a development that fits the business and the company. It's, it's, uh, it's part of the role. So it can be very individual, even if you have what you will call maybe these more generic basic, basic uh, grounds. Yeah. Mercedes, my last question for you today would be, what would you tell your, let's say, 25-year-old self if you met her in the corridor? <laughs> Never doubt yourself. You can do whatever you set up yourself to do. You're going to hear a lot of people having different opinions about what you should be doing, what you should not be doing, what you can or cannot do. And um, my message will be trust yourself. You will find your own speed. You will decide what are the things that you want to do and when you want to do them. And uh, live with also with those decisions. Be proud of those. You might see that you decide to have a family and then maybe you resent not to do in a career, but you decided from having a family and you can pick up the career whenever you want or do both things at the same time or none of them. Just just do what you feel that it's it's driving you. Um, be as ambitious as you want to be. Be as content as you can be also with what you have and not always striving to just more and more just for the sake of need. Enjoy what you have, exploit it, and then just listen to yourself. Thank you so much. Mercedes, it was a pleasure to meet and speak with you. Thank you so much for your time, for your insights, for your personal views. I would love to continue the conversation at some point. Have a good day. So will I thank you, Tom, for the opportunity. I enjoy it very much as well. Thanks. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this leadership conversation. And we would love to hear from you and continue the conversation with you. So please send any comments, questions, or suggestions for a next leadership session to podcast at tpcleadership.com. This podcast was offered to you by TPC Leadership, 
Please know that the guests that we interview during this series share their own views. They do not talk on behalf of the organization that they're part of. For more podcasts, please visit the TPC website, tpcleadership.com forward slash insights. Thank you for listening.